Hello, and welcome to the Convenience Mix podcast, brought to you by conveniencestore.co.uk, Lumen Intelligence, and The Grocer. Every four weeks, we'll be focusing on the key trends and topics impacting the UK convenience sector. Each episode sees us hone in on one key industry topic and share the latest data, news, and insight, giving retailers, suppliers, and wholesalers the information needed to support business critical decisions. My name is Aidan Fortune, editor of conveniencestore.co.uk. And I'm delighted to be joined by my regular co-host, Blonnie Whist. Hello, I'm Blonnie Whist, Head of Insight at Lumina Intelligence. And Ronan Hegarty. Ronan Hegarty here, news editor at The Grocer. The past year has forced massive changes upon retailers and how they operate. And one of the biggest has been the explosion of home delivery within convenience. Before the first lockdown, it was something a few dabbled in. But when the multiples buckled under the pressure, things got serious for retailers. In today's episode, we'll be examining how retailers have embraced home delivery the challenges they've had to overcome, as well as what the future holds for delivery. I'll also be speaking to top retailer Amr Prahal of Nysa High Heat about his experiences of operating a thriving delivery service from his store. First off though, there's yet another new entrant in the busy convenience channel. Iceland has unveiled its Swift brand with a trial store opening in Newcastle. Swift is being billed as fast, fresh and local, with nearly 3,000 lines on offer. It's early days, obviously, but it'll be interesting to see this model in practice. Uh, Ronan, you've been uh, looking at this for the grocer. So um, can you tell us what, what are your thoughts? It's really interesting. Uh, Iceland, um, kind of a high street, uh, frozen food traditionalist, um, but they've been moving more into grocery in the last few years. And many shoppers do treat a normal Iceland store as a convenience store. But this is much more pure play convenience it's got food to go it's much more food for now food for later um chilled rather than frozen and uh, you know it's it's just a sign that the multiples continue to see the the convenience sector as the as the golden goose really in grocery that an online delivery and obviously uh it's it's another entrant. It'll be really interesting to see how it goes. It's one store in Newcastle at the moment, um, but I dare say it'll be the first of many. I'm curious to hear more about this novel layout. So it sounds as if they'll be mixing up frozen and chilled food together. And it, it sounds like in terms of store layout and focusing on meals like breakfast, lunch, instead of uh, by format. And that could be quite a drastic shake-up that would really impact the shopper journey. Absolutely. And Iceland, they have a an interesting delivery service. Do you think that may be come into play with it as well? I think it could, certainly. Uh, there seems to be in the planning documents for the new store in Newcastle, there seems to be an element of uh, home delivery, some space set aside for home delivery. And the new name, of course, Swift. Um, suggests that if they do launch home delivery, it will probably be more along the lines of a, a rapid uh, same-day service, which, you know, is is all the rage in convenience, as, as uh, testifies to what we're here to talk about today. Indeed. More on that later on, I think. So it's no secret that home delivery has grown over the past year. And according to Lumen Intelligence Research, it makes up 7% of transactions win convenience. So... How important is a delivery offering to convenience retailers? It's so important. Lockdown has been a huge driver in the number of people who were isolating at home and couldn't get a supermarket delivery. And so really importantly, that actually applies to people of all age groups, all demographics. It's not just younger shoppers who are really savvy and on all the apps. 
So I know people who signed up to Deliveroo simply to get a co-op delivery. It's definitely something that um, was only beginning to sort of take hold before the pandemic kicked in, but was just so rapidly accelerated, um, even as early as last May, just a couple of months into it. Uh, the ACS were reporting something like 600,000 weekly deliveries being done by convenience stores. And just a couple of weeks ago, their rural shops reports had, um, you know, 21% of rural C stores using an online delivery service way up from on last year. It's, it's just been absolutely enormous, the growth. And, but of course, there's still a long way to go. And it's still, there's still a relatively small proportion of stores that are using it. Like, like you both said, a lot of retailers have really caught on to the fact that this is an opportunity for them and have embraced it, but there's still some way to go. Um, and as we'll hear from one of our retailers in a moment, there's still a lot of learnings to be had. So it's all well and good us talking about it, but really it's the retailers we should be hearing from. To get a retailer's perspective on home delivery, we spoke to Amrit Pahal of Nysa High Heat about his service and how he's evolved it. Hi Amrit, welcome to the Convenience Mix podcast. So tell us about your home delivery offering. So just to give you a breakdown of how we grew our delivery service, when we first started, me and my brother were taking orders and delivering them ourselves. Then we started to say, like, this, this is too random, you can't really work your day around it. So what we started to do is, we, we started taking orders and then delivering them after two o'clock. So we take orders all morning and then deliver them after two the same day. And then anything that come in after two, we were able to nip out and just go deliver them. Then eventually we, we stuck with that system. And then we brought a driver in from two o'clock till the end of the day. And then we grew that, grew that, grew that. We expanded our delivery zone. Then we opened up morning deliveries as well. So we had a driver then in from 10 in the morning to nine in the evening um, and we grew it from there slowly 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 and now we're at a stage where we have a driver in the morning and then in the on the evenings we have two drivers so this has just gotten bigger and bigger for you hasn't it how many deliveries a week are you processing on average you're doing about 40 a day so 280 to 300 deliveries a week What's the average basket spend like in these orders? See, that's the thing with delivery. The basket spends are a lot higher. So my average basket spend is about 25, 26 pounds. And what categories are performing strongly for you on this? Only when we introduced Snappy, we realised that, that like even our best sellers online, are still, still things like milk and bread. And, and, and what we actually managed to do really well online that we, that we struggle with in store is meal solutions. So forever in a day, we could put things together in store, you know, like for heater kits with, you know, fresh peppers or, you know, chicken and stuff like that but it never really takes off but meal solutions are on the app do really really well so we have like a english breakfast kind of thing we have a like a curry night a mexican night there's a there's a lot there's a lot of meal solutions on there and they do really well on on the app if you look at your operation when it started and where it is now it's a very different proposition isn't it what have you learned from the whole process? It's constantly evolving, but as you, as you as you move forward, you learn more and more. But, but what, what we're seeming to learn, and the overriding element of successful delivery, is speed. Speed is killing. Speed is what is the answer, and speed is where our niche is. If you look at the Asda's, the Tesco's, Cardo's, all of those price you are not on the same level the buying power we're priced out on sometimes the availability and the algorithms and the technology that they have behind them to understand that you know next week we're going to have a heat wave so we're expecting to have this much more lettuce so let's work this out blah blah 
we we can do that by being very active but we haven't got the technology or the algorithms to compete on that level what we can do is we can get our orders off our shelves into bags into cars or you know mopeds and to the doors quicker than they can by a long time and that is going to be our key advantage if you look at the biggest players coming into the market right now they are solely based on speed because speed will be killing them so our next focus is our speed so i guess that speed will play a big part of your marketing for your home delivery service moving forward yeah so our marketing and our pitch will be more focused around the speed on store to door um, and at the end of the day when you look at the essence of a convenience store it's never really essentially you know the best prices on products it's, it's the whole idea of convenience and if you don't offer convenience online you are missing the market because if you are if you've got a system uh let's say like a supermarket style system where you book a slot and you get a delivery fair enough it works there is a market for that but is that convenient and there's also the data side of things how are you utilizing the data provided by your online customers at the moment my system isn't linked with my stock it's a stock control system right so they're not they're not entwined with each other so that poses a lot of challenges especially if you are stock control because you'll be scanning out every single order but i'm not but we were noticing a lot of people ordering uh, mega thick bread now had they come into store ordered mega thick bread you, they'd come into store they wouldn't have found it so they wouldn't have probably asked so we wouldn't know that there was demand there but because they kept ordering it online because it was always available online one of the lads had told us that this keeps coming up and we keep not 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 being able to deliver it can we up our orders on our mega thick bread up the orders on mega thick bread and then they started selling in store as well as online so they had to be up to twice because it was a line that was available that the customers wanted but we didn't even know but we found out from delivery bought it into store and started selling it in store as well oh, that's really interesting that highlights the difference between online and in-store customers that's fascinating yeah well yeah i mean you imagine how many times you go to a store right you don't see what you need yeah but you don't mention it to anyone but you'd go somewhere else and get it or you'd go without it or whatever now you imagine you're sitting at home you know what you want same thing but you've ordered it but that data has been left with the person that you ordered it with who's unfulfilled it. Now, if that, if there's, if there's key lines that keep filling that, that, you know, keep filling that data up, you can, you can analyze that and say, hold on a minute, a lot of people asking for one thing. We don't have that, or we're always out of that. Let's up our orders on that. And then what you'll see is people in store, because they're the same people, are going to want that too. So you can all, operationally improve your availability it's amazing how you're making use of your data how much further do you can you can go we're still very much learning we're still very much trialing and testing and we need to improve our kpis to understand the data better to figure out what how we can improve not just our online service and experience but our in-store service and experience and and now you understand why data is so expensive sometimes because the knowledge that's within it you know it can it can really really help grow your business in areas that you already think you're performing well on finally what advice do you have for retailers who maybe haven't embraced home delivery yet i'd say definitely go with it stick with it it won't come overnight it's not something that you know you can just land on your feet with it's something you will have to grow but if you are persistent it's the single-handedly the biggest addition to your convenience store business you can make you know moving forward and and the new shop front is online you you have to have an online presence thank you so much amrit we really appreciate your time and insight on this
So we've a lot to unpick there from Amrit. One of the interesting points he raises is around data and how he's able to apply what he learns online to the store. Are retailers making the most of the data they have at their fingertips or have they barely scratched the surface? Now this is really important and currently we've seen extremely wide differences in the way that different demographics are interacting with on-demand convenience. For example, younger consumers um, are more likely to intend to use on-demand convenience in the future and have a really strong preference for late night and entertaining missions. But this is changing so much as new shoppers are entering this route to market. So in a store, you can see your shoppers, you can speak to them and ask them questions. And it's gonna be a whole new angle for retailers to get to know their ODC consumers as they might not be the same people who are coming into stores. And I think Amrit's example about that mega thick bread is such a great example of ODC also boosting in-store sales. Do you think that the, the retailers who have just embraced online, do you think they're maybe surprised about the level of data that they're finding? Definitely. And it's something that will set them apart from competition that's in their local area as well. Yeah, I think um, I, I think the, the fact is that retailers just get this really immediate feedback. It's there in black and white, the orders that come in. And it's something that, you know, the more they analyze, the more they look into it will really benefit them. And it, you can start to see that they can start weighting their, their ordering. They can, you know, link it into their EPOS systems and stuff like that. So it becomes a real win-win where it actually just keeps on nudging them in the right direction in terms of what just what stock and what their customers are after. And, you know, clearly maybe identifying gaps that, that they might have. Do you think that maybe with EPOS, uh, there was traditionally a bit of a challenge of making the time to read the data and analyzing it do you think that might hold true of the delivery that or the data that comes through from delivery yeah i mean i think i think it's um it, it's a really interesting one i think you know the more that the retailers you know delve into it i think the more they'll find but i guess probably there's an element of uh, that they'll have to wade through some interesting baskets i think it, when you think yourself about how you might use an online to, um, convenience order it's sometimes if you're sitting around your kitchen you're working out what you're missing and so there might be a bit of a randomness to to what you order and uh, whether that's you know suddenly needing a loaf of bread but also some bin bags and uh, various other things that you might need um, it, it's really interesting I mean I remember I was at a conference I think it was one of the online shopping apps said that one of the most interesting orders that they ever saw was a, a box of cornflakes, a bottle of champagne and a packet of condoms. So <laughs> make of that what you will in terms of data. That sounds like one heck of a weekend. <laughs> and I imagine that order probably was needed quite promptly. So, um, and speed of service is something that Amrit and other retailers are pushing aggressively. Uh, it's obviously an advantage that convenience retailers have over the major multiples. Um, they can get their products to the customers within the hour. While delivery slots from the larger retailers can be a bit limited, something we definitely saw during the early days of the pandemic. Um, could, you know, could we see major retailers pursuing a more a smaller, more flexible model that enables a faster delivery that takes on convenience, or do you think they'll just stick with their current scale? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you know, it's all moving towards as rapid deliveries as possible. It's um, particularly in the, in the real urban areas. Um, you know, we've uh, just written a story about uh, 
a new service launching in London, Gorillas, which promises on-demand convenience within 10 minutes. Um, not suggesting this is something that you know your local seesaw has to has to be aiming towards, but clearly speed of delivery is something that will become more of a more of a demand for shoppers, particularly younger shoppers, and also something that people will probably pay more of a premium for. It'll be interesting to see if retailers are choosing to go it alone or set up with a third party like Uber Eats. Do, do you think maybe that convenience retailers may have put themselves under a bit of pressure offering the the service? Um, I mean, Amr had mentioned that he, in the early days of his service, it was very much, you know, get it all out straight away, get it all straight away. But if you just temper those expectations, you can make make for a much smoother service while still satisfying the customer's demands. Yeah, I think it's about, therefore, sort of managing and understanding what you can achieve. Um, the worst thing you can do is let your customers down. Um, you can promise them something and then fail to deliver. I think the, uh, the key is to be able to say, right, how much business do we want to do through on, on-demand convenience? Um, how much will make the service worthwhile? Target that. And, you know, within sort of a reasonable margin of error, that will, you know, presumably be something that, you know, you can handle, you can deliver and you can keep your customers satisfied at the same time, you know, growing, you know, exponentially and as a, at the pace you want. Absolutely. And Blani, you mentioned about, you know, the retailers have that choice about do they go it alone or do they go with a third party? Um, I, I've spoken to a lot of retailers who have gone alone because they want that flexibility and they want all the information they know it's their customers um it's you know you don't want to be signing up with one party one third party provider and then suddenly changing um because that's just going to be confusing for everyone uh so it's an inter- it's interesting time and i think retailers they have got some tough decisions to make but they're in a good they're in a good position i think there's plenty of offers out there and the plenty of options. The interview with Amrit also highlighted how certain categories have performed well online, but you know maybe not necessarily in store, such as meal deals. Um, so, Blondie, do you think this is forcing retailers to think differently about their ranges and offering and how baskets uh, are filled, um, be it in store or online? It was so interesting to hear Amrit talk about meal solutions like the full English breakfast, and it totally aligns with what we've seen in our data as well. So bundles, either entertaining or late night, and also sort of fully formed takeaway replacements are all presenting what we're seeing as the biggest opportunities within on-demand convenience. So any kind of bundles, which are big night in or meal for tonight. And of course, summer's just on the horizon. So barbecue boxes are going to be huge going forwards. And actually one in four consumers that we've spoken to say that on-demand convenience actually competes with a classic takeaway. So it shows that there's that premiumization opportunity to replicate food service occasions for over a quarter of shoppers. Yeah, there really is. I think that uh, element of of the bundles, the boxes, so almost replicating, you know, not just a takeaway, but you know, these burgeoning uh, recipe box delivery offers and things like that. So if, if you know you can put it together again, there's there's real merit in it. There's real um, premiumization potential for for retailers to do this, and and it sets them apart. And and it's also something that you'll be selling beyond what you normally sell in store. I think the interesting thing is that a number of retailers who are currently using these on-demand convenience services are finding that many of their shoppers are actually shopping with them for the first time on on on-demand 
and then visiting the store and going in and saying, this is the store where I got that uh, meal from last night, or this store where I got that bottle of wine from last night, and uh, going and saying hello, and then actually sort of becoming a sort of bricks and mortar as well as a clicks shopper. And quite a lot of retailers are choosing to set up almost a sort of dark kitchen style brand when they list on, on platforms. So adopting a second brand that's sort of more focused on uh, alcohol, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, some retailers I've spoken to mentioned uh, gifting opportunities. Um, I, from personal perspective, I'm because I'm a terrible brother-in-law, I've actually forgot his birthday. Um, but I was able to order something on Deliveroo and it was with him in 20 minutes. I mean, it was just like some booze and some chocolates, but that service wouldn't have been available on, I mean, through any other way, really. I would, I would have completely missed the date in that. I'd be happy with that, to be fair, if anyone wanted to, you know, send me booze and chocolate. And... <laughs> I'd be delighted. They'll be knocking your door in half an hour on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Best brother-in-law ever, that would be. <laughs> and finally, what, what is the future of home delivery and convenience? I mean, have we reached peak delivery or is there more to come? Yeah, I mean, I think as I alluded to at the start, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're still very much in the... Uh, in the early stages um it's a bit like the bit like the sort of gold rush at the moment everybody's out there sort of they see it's an opportunity they see something they need to be involved in they're looking around they're seeing which partners they need to work with or you know whether something go alone but you know the the numbers will, will tell you that there's a lot of stores not using this there's still a lot of customers that aren't aware of the options and the opportunities in their neighborhood to actually get involved in using these services so I think we're really still only at the very, very early stages. There's so much more to come. The The fact is that awareness is still relatively low. So there is so much potential. It's probably the minority of the public who are aware of the service at all. And 70% of the ones who are aware say that they intend to use it more in the future. And it's still early days, but Obviously, many retailers and suppliers are thinking now about HFSS. So those rules clearly won't apply to on-demand convenience. So I'm wondering if there could be some interesting opportunity for many to possibly reinvest in on-demand convenience. Yeah, well, that brings you back to your, you know, your dark, your dark side opportunities. <laughs> it makes sense. I'm very sinister. <laughs> in. But also, I mean, uh, with, do, you, do you think there might be danger that it could become saturated in some areas with too many delivery offerings? Or is that just a case of, you know, you can never have too many stores in one area? I think there could be. I mean, I, th I think it is going to be a case of, um, you know, it's competition and the, the number of stores to, trying to do sort of the same or similar things um, will potentially, you know, be flooding the market with the same offer sort of thing and you might and that of course will mean you'll have to reduce prices and things like that but uh but i think it's still quite away from that and, and particularly you know obviously in, in 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 urban areas you've got very high density populations and stuff like that so it's less of an issue rural areas there'll probably be less stores competing so i think i think that's probably something something for the future to look at but i think at the moment i think the the key for retailers is basically to get out there and start doing it really see see where it goes yeah, I think oversaturation is possible, but the people I've spoken to who have fallen for delivery have fallen hard and they are on Uber Eats, they're on Deliveroo, they're on Getir, they're using every platform they can get their hands on and I don't think they're going to shake that habit. 
No, no. And the more choice out there for consumers, the better, obviously. It, we're, we're not even close to the tipping point of home delivery. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see which also which providers will stay in play as well uh, moving forward. Because there, there are a lot out there, but we'll see if, if everyone remains in the game. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this episode of The Convenience Mix. Thank you to my co-hosts, Ronan and Blani, and thank you to the listeners. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Convenience Mix podcast on your favourite streaming platform and keep up to date with the latest news, views and insights from the convenience sector on convenienceStore.co.uk, the grocer and Lumen Intelligence. And if you have a delivery service that you're proud of, there's still time to enter the Customer Delivery Store of the Year category in the 2021 Convenience Awards. The deadline for entries is 12th of April and you can enter on theconvenienceawards.com. Goodbye.